The following resource is from lmpc.org and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at lmpc.org slash give. A reading from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 20. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there is, was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning and welcome again to Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church. My name is Will Nettleton. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to just add my welcome to Brian's. We're really glad you are with us this morning, especially if you are visiting with us or a guest. Thanks for being with us this morning. We are continuing our study in the book of Deuteronomy, and we are returning this morning to a familiar theme in this section. If you've been with us the last few weeks, the passage Brian just read may feel somewhat familiar. And it it should be because Moses is repeating himself. Israel must prepare for the dangers of a life of abundance in the land. That's what he's trying to prepare them for. You are about to go into an abundant land. Life is about to get better. And rather than just taking joy in that, though they should do that, they must also take care. Because that good life can lead to forgetfulness. As we said a few weeks ago in our study of Deuteronomy 6, quoting the theologian Christopher Wright, fullness can lead to forgetfulness. Fullness can lead to forgetfulness. But as we see in this, pa- this morning's passage, it can lead even further. That forgetfulness can lead to idolatry, which can lead to judgment and even hell itself. And so Moses calls God's people to do the work of remembering. 
remembering all that he has done for us in his work of salvation and in his work of providence. You can see our outline there in your bulletin this morning. As God's people experience abundance, we must beware, first of all, the perils of prosperity. We will see it is far too easy to try and take credit for the work that God alone has done. And then secondly, we'll see the power of remembrance, that remembering who God is and what he has done for us protects us. It protects us against arrogance and idolatry that lead us to judgment. So that's our roadmap. That's how we'll try and navigate the text this morning. Before we set out, let me pray and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to bless our time in his word together. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we do ask that you would send now your Holy Spirit among us, that you, God, would rend the heavens and come down. For we know that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Your word, O Lord, is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. And we desire to walk with you this morning. So would you show us the way? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Some of you may remember the movie from 2011, uh, Moneyball. The movie was based on a true story about Major League Baseball's Oakland Athletics and their general manager, Billy Bean. The movie is essentially about how the A's don't have the budget to compete with some of the big market teams like the New York Yankees. And so they had to find these creative ways to identify talent that the other teams were overlooking and try and get better players at a bargain. And so they began using advanced analytics to try and find those players and they had a fair measure of success. One of the subplots in the movie is that the A's have just acquired actually a player from the Yankees named David Justice. And David Justice is kind of on the back end of his career. He's 38 years old. He's had a successful career, but he's certainly on the way, on the decline. He's not the player that he once was, but he still commands a really large salary. And as he comes to Oakland, he arrogantly thinks that that big salary and his previous on-field success mean that he's different, that he's special, that he doesn't have to have the same kind of interactions with the general manager that the other players are. And so at one point, Billy Bean asks him, you think you're special? And Justice is taking batting practice and he responds and he says, you know, you're paying me $7 million a year. So yeah, maybe I am just a little special. And Billy Bean smiles because in the trade, the Yankees had actually agreed to pay half of that $7 million contract that the A's had agreed to with justice. And so Bean says to him, I'm not paying you $7 million. The Yankees are paying half of that. In fact, that's exactly what the New York Yankees think of you. They're willing to pay three and a half million dollars to play against them. That's what they think of you. 
they'll pay $3 million to see you play for the other team. And what Billy Bean is trying to help David Justice see is that the money had gone to his head. He had begun to believe that he really was worth all of that. He had a blind spot. He couldn't see who he really was anymore. There is an inherent danger in success. You begin to believe your own press. You begin to believe that it was all you. You forget the people that helped you get to where you are. You begin to rewrite history. There is a danger in prosperity and abundance. That is precisely Moses' warning to Israel in our passage. Look back at what he says to them in verses 11 through 14. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart may be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Notice the way that forgetfulness bookends those sets of verses. Moses begins in verse 11 telling them, take care lest you forget the Lord. And then in verse 14, he mentions the same thing. How does that forgetfulness manifest itself? Verse 11 tells us, by not keeping the commandments and his rules and his statutes. How do you know when you've forgotten the Lord? When you stop obeying him, when you stop doing what he says. The abundance that he describes in verses 12 through 13 leads to a heart that is lifted up verse 14 says. And that language, I think, actually makes sense. It's an image of a puffed up chest. When everything is going well, you begin to puff your chest out and forget the Lord. Now, we've heard some of this from Moses before, but this is slightly different. In chapter 6, the warning was, you're about to go into the land and you're going to inherit houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant. And so be careful lest you think you did all this. But in these verses, much of the work is work that Israel has done. So verse 12 talks about houses that they have built. Verse 13 talks about their flocks and silver and gold multiplying. And so this is an abundance that's connected to the work they're doing. But the warning remains the same, be careful lest you forget the Lord. Now, it's, for us, it's one thing for Moses to warn them in chapter 6 about not taking credit for those houses. That makes sense to us. We have sayings like uh, talking about people being born with a silver spoon in their mouths. People who, who shouldn't take credit for the success that they were born with. But here, Moses is warning them about houses that they did build. This is the fruit of their labors. So why is Moses warning them about that? And I think it's because the danger here is even more acute. It is even more dangerous to have success where you can reasonably think, I did it. This is the work of my hands. 
And Moses wants them to see even the work of your hands is a gift from the Lord. What does he say in verse 18? You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Even the success that Israel can reasonably lay claim to, Moses says, yeah. And who do you think made that possible? Who do you think has blessed the work of your hands? If it was true for Israel, how much more so for us? There is no such thing as a self-made man or woman. Every single one of us is the beneficiary of the initiative and the care and the love of someone else. And even more than that, from the God who created us, who sustains us, who gives us our every breath. Moses wants Israel to see this on a material level. You're gonna have good houses. You're gonna have all kinds of wealth. You're gonna eat and be full. And he wants them to remember, even if you earned it, it is all from the Lord. Do we have that mentality? As you enjoy good food, as you lay your head down on soft pillows at night, as you laugh with good friends, as you hold healthy children and grandchildren in your laps, do we appropriately stop to marvel at the goodness of a God who blesses us so richly? It is all too easy, is it not, to simply take it all for granted to forget that God is there at all. I think this is, we've said this before, but I think this is the shocking thing about poverty versus wealth. So many of us are afraid of of ending up poor because we think in some part that it would be hard to be a poor person and follow the Lord. But if you spend any time with poor people who follow Jesus, you actually find that many of them find it fairly simple. They know they need God. They have a palpable sense that everything that they have comes from him. They are constantly praying. They live lives of complete dependence. It's actually the wealthy who have a harder time following God because our need is not always before us. In times of scarcity and trial, we naturally go to God. We know we need him. What Moses is telling Israel is the silent killer is the life of abundance. Who needs God when you have got a good paying job, good insurance, and a diversified portfolio? I think this is what Jesus meant when he talked about how difficult it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Abundance fosters an amnesia that leads to arrogance. We end up saying the very thing that Moses warns Israel against in verse 17. My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. We must constantly resist the temptation to believe that we are the authors of our own success. Everything we have is from the Lord. From him and through him and to him are all things And if that is true materially, how much more spiritually? If you are having some measure of success in your pursuit to follow Jesus, if you are growing in grace and being sanctified, if you are seeing old sins die more and more and new 
positive attributes, new Christ-likeness growing more and more in yourself, what credit is there in us? All of that is the work of the Lord. We must have the mind of the psalmist. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? Moses tells Israel, there is peril in prosperity. We must beware. We must be careful. So how do we do that? Well, Moses tells us in verses 18 through 20 that we remember. Look back at those verses with me. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God to go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. What is the antidote to the arrogance that arises from abundance? We remember. We remember the Lord and what he has done for us. All throughout this passage, Moses again reminds Israel of God's provision. Verse 14, he brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Verse 15, he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness. He brought you water out of the rock. Verse 16, he fed you with manna. Moses is trying to tell, you, tell them he is the Lord who saved you and he is the Lord who has provided for you. Remember the story of your salvation and the story of his provision. Let me ask you this morning, do you know those two stories? Do you know the story of your salvation. If someone were to ask you this morning, how did God save you? Do you know how you would answer that question? If you've joined this church as a part of the new members class, we asked you to write that out, an exercise you may not have enjoyed. Write out your story, share it with the elders. Why did we make you do that? Well, in part, we needed to make sure you're following Jesus. Right? You have to be a follower of Jesus to join the church. But another reason is because you are going to need to remember that story. You're going to need it. A day is going to come when you're going to need to remember that when you were at your worst, God was at his best and he redeemed you. Do you know the story of your salvation? What about the story of his provision? Are you tracking the way that God has provided for you? When I was in seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, I had a small group leader at our church who uh, was a few years older than us and he had a prayer journal that he carried everywhere with him. And with it, he always had a pen and a couple different highlighters. And the pen was for writing down the prayer requests like his and other people. The highlighter was for when he would actually pray. Because he would go back through his prayer journal and he would look and as he prayed, he would highlight the ones that God had answered. Yes, no, or, or otherwise. And whenever he would fill up a notebook, before he would start a new one, he would read through the full one and he would marvel at all the things that God had done. 
all the ways that he had answered prayers. And he would show it to us as he finished it, and it would just be covered in color. This technicolor testimony of God's goodness in his life. And he would say to us, these are my Ebenezer's. Now, that's an old word, Ebenezer. It means stone of help. It, it comes from a story in the Bible, actually, in 1 Samuel chapter 7. At that point in the history of Israel, it's the end of the time of the judges. And Israel experiences a revival. They repent of their sin, they destroy their idols, they begin to seek the Lord. And they ask the prophet Samuel to cry out to the Lord on their behalf. And so Samuel does. He gathers the people at Mizpah and they confess their sin and he offers a sacrifice on their behalf and cries out to God. And right in the middle of the sacrifice, the Philistines show up and start to attack. And 1 Samuel 7.10 says, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion and they were defeated before Israel. I don't even know exactly what that means, that God shows up in thunder and routs the Philistines and Israel rises up and goes and takes back several cities of their own that they had lost to their enemies. To commemorate the victory, Samuel sets up a stone and he names it Ebenezer saying, this far the Lord has helped us. And every time an Israelite saw that stone, he had a tangible reminder of the Lord's power and protection and provision. It was an Ebenezer. The Lord has helped us. Let me ask you this morning, if you're following Jesus, are you marking how God is providing for you in your life? Where are the Ebenezers in your life? Where are the reminders of the Lord's provision? And can I ask you, will you share those with us? We need your stories. We need the stories of how God has provided for you. Has it not been so great, such a gift to hear Stuart Bickley's story as a part of the Renew campaign around here? If you've not listened to that episode of Pillar and Ground with Brian and Stuart, you need to go listen to it. You need to have Kleenexes, but you need to go and listen to it. It's an unbelievable story, a diagnosis that should have killed him. This room packed to the gills to pray for him, that the Lord would spare his life. And the Lord said, yes. I love the way that Stuart phrases it, that the doctors called it spontaneous remission because I guess you can't just put miracle on a medical chart. It's amazing. But I have needed that story. It has been a lifeline as I have been praying for friends who have cancer. That we have a God who says yes to those kinds of requests. Not always, but it's a reminder that he can and that he invites us to ask him and I know that's not the only story of God's provision in this room. Some of you have those stories. You were told that you couldn't have children and the Lord had other plans. Your marriage was too far gone and the Lord had other plans. 
your child walked away from the faith and the Lord had other plans. You lost your job and you thought it was over and the Lord had other plans. You went through the valley of the shadow of death and you thought your faith was through and the Lord had other plans. We need your stories. Can I say this as, as a younger man, some of you who are my elders, please tell us your stories. Please raise up the Ebenezer's so that we can have tangible reminders and say, this is how the Lord has helped us. Will you show us the way that the Lord has called us to walk? Because that is how we will avoid the arrogance and idolatry that Moses warns about. That is how we avoid the dangers of abundance. We remember that the Lord has provided for us, that he has helped us, that he has saved us. And we must do that because the consequences are dire. Did you notice how the passage finished? What did Moses warn Israel about there at the end? If you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you will surely perish. That is where the road leads. For us, it can lead even to hell itself. Abundance leads to amnesia, which leads to arrogance, which leads to idolatry, which in the end will lead to hell. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Great Divorce, said there are two kinds of people, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God in the end finally says, thy will be done. Bible over and over again makes it clear to have it our way is a bad thing, but God will allow it. So perhaps you are sleepwalking this morning. Perhaps a life of abundance has lulled you to sleep and you've begun to believe your own press that you are a self-made person. Perhaps I have. Can I invite us to wake up to see that everything we have and everything we are is a gift from our God and that it's good news because he offers more gifts still. We're about to see a picture of it as we go to the Lord's table. He offers you the gift of his son, his body and his blood broken and shed for you. And in him, he offers you everlasting life. Perhaps you've never believed that and you want to this morning. I'll be at that back door. Brian will be at this door. If you want someone to pray with you this morning, we would love to do it. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Our God has provided everything, every breath that we've ever taken, every heartbeat that we have missed. And he has provided his own son. And if he's given us him, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So let us beware the dangers of prosperity. But more than that, let us remember. Let us remember what he has done and who he is. Amen. Let me pray for us as we prepare to go to the Lord's table. 
Father, we thank you that you did not leave us in our sin, but that when we were running away from you as fast as we could, you chased us. That the hound of heaven has caught us. That surely goodness and mercy have followed us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I pray this morning, Lord, for those who have not yet believed that. If this is true, Lord, would you open their eyes to see it? Would you open their hearts to desire it? And for those of us who believe but struggle with unbelief, Lord, would you help us to remember? Would you help us to remind one another of all that you have done, of all that you are? Would you feed us now by your sacrament as we come to your table? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.